these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Great to be here this morning. Great to share the word with you. Again, a humbling uh, experience always to just be able to share the word with my church family. Uh, so thank you uh, for the opportunity, PC. I'm glad you were able to go to OG. Kind of got a little bit hungry, but it's only 1130, so I got to wait. Um, I'm also very excited today because we are starting off or kicking off our series that we're calling Courageous Community. Uh, the thought process of, or I guess the idea of, that the Lord has called us uh, to be a courageous community, to be courageous for the people around us, to be courageous for uh, our church as a body, and to be courageous for uh, the world, right? Because the Lord has called us uh, to that. So it's a pleasure to be able to kick us off. Uh, now, as I was thinking uh, about you know, my personal life and just some experiences that I've had recently that obviously I will be sharing with you, uh, I just started to think about courage and what that meant and what the Lord kind of brought me to and made me realize, even of my own self, was a major opposite or component of, of being courageous or having courage, and that's fear. Now, fear itself is a very big and broad topic. It's a big idea. There's a lot of things that we could be fearful of. There's a lot of things that, uh, as we grow up, whether that's older or younger, fear really uh, is a big component of our decision-making, right? If you're fearful of, fearful of something, you won't do it. If you're timid, uh, you know, you won't, uh, you'll hesitate, you won't speak out. You know, this is an idea that I, uh, you know, realize that within myself, it's held me back quite a bit. And I'm, again, just honored to be able to share uh, what the Lord has done in my life. And uh, in, in the word, uh, we see uh, something specific. So Paul, um, again, a major component to uh, God's ministry in the New Testament, he you know, wrote letters to many of the churches and he had mentors and he had people that, that followed him. And one specific uh, follower, uh, disciple, you may say, or maybe not necessarily disciple, but a spiritual son was Timothy. Timothy was someone that he encouraged. Timothy was someone that he spent time with, specifically in Ephesus. He spent three years with Timothy there. They were working on the church, working on the ministry, maybe even, you know, again, uplifting people. Uh, and he told Timothy something specific for this reason. So the early church, uh, this is the, uh, and I mean by, you know, after the Lord rose up from the dead, which is awesome obviously and amazing. I can only imagine the courage that that early church had. They were, they didn't fear anything. Imagine yourself being in that moment of being able to experience Jesus raising from the dead. I mean, I, I think about it myself and that gives me courage. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it's, it's an experience uh, that would change your life and it would change your actions. It would change what you do. But as time went on, you know, if you know anything about which, you know, obviously I've even been learning recently myself about early church history is that persecution began. So there was obviously that Roman Empire that they didn't want the message of Jesus to just, you know, spread because it was spreading. I mean, the multiplication of the church was massive, you know, as we read through Acts. So with that said, uh, Paul understood that there was a, a situation in Ephesus, maybe potentially even with Timothy and with, you know, people that were Christians that there was some fear because, I mean, believe it or not, even today, there are places in this world where the gospel cannot be preached, right? So if you think about it in those terms, Paul was concerned. Paul was like, our mission is to, you know, 
tell everyone what Jesus did and tell everybody what Jesus was about. And he understood that that was, you know, something that would, that would prevent him, Timothy, and the church was that fear. So with that all said, Paul then followed. He, he wrote a couple books to Timothy. And as you see in the New Testament, there were, you know, several books that he wrote out. But specific to, specifically to Timothy, he wrote this in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. He said, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Essentially, church, what he was saying was, is that this timidity, this hesitation, which in my life, hesitation, being timid, reached then a level of being fearful. He's saying that fear disrupts the outward expression of all the wonderful things that God has instilled in us. That wasn't given to us. What was given to us was love, power, and discipline specifically. One can say, at least when I think about it, is that fear is a barricade in pursuing our purpose or my purpose in Christ. Again, I'm, I'm going to go into some more depth in this, but I see myself on one side, and I see in a 100,000-story wall, and then I see my purpose in Christ on the other side, and that wall is fear. That wall is hesitation. That, ha- that wall is being timid. That's what I see. Again, easier said than done, right? Easier said than done to rid ourselves of fear or to rid ourselves of timidity or hesitation. To be 100% honest, it's something that naturally happens. You guys understand. How many in here are afraid of spiders? How many in here are afraid of heights? I mean, there's just so many things that it's a natural reaction to us. It's sometimes even impossible to be able to control that. We have some examples, um, but David specifically, he was able to grasp uh, this and grasp as well that through Christ, those fears, those hesitation, and that timidity can be gone. And this is what he says in Psalm 27, verses 1 and 3, or 1 through 3, sorry. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumble and fall. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. You see, David had a confidence, courage, understanding. If you look at David's life, he stepped up to Goliath. He was maybe, I don't know, five foot two, Goliath, eight foot, whatever, you know. He stepped up with no fear because he had an understanding of the reality of Christ in his life. That with Christ, fear, timidity, hesitation, it didn't have room. There was no space for that. He said it beautifully. And now what I want us to understand today is that we're empowered just like David was. We're empowered to understand that with Christ and through Christ, the strength that we have goes beyond measure. It goes beyond our understanding. It goes beyond what, again, we can comprehend that we have because it's not us, it's Christ. So the second half of this verse, Paul gives Timothy some specifics in regards to uh, what we have been given. That first one is power. Probably my favorite. A power that God has given uh, to us that's beyond our, own, or beyond our own understanding. You understand timidity or fear is no match for the power that God has given us. The problem with fear is that it doesn't allow us to act in faith and it prevents us from demonstrating the power of Christ to the world. What does this look like? 
again, Paul, with our conversations, and that's why we're going this direction, he, he consistently uh, mentored Timothy, and he wrote this specifically for the Church of Ephesians. It's chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, and this is what he says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Uh, folks, this is mind-blowing to me. Do <laughs> you know what this, just, this verse just said? It said that the same power that rose Christ from the dead has been given to us. I know, it's like, where do you go from there? <laughs> Truly, where do you go from there and understanding that that power that rose our Christ, our Lord, the third day, it's within us. I mean, this is, I understand, this is almost incomprehensible. It goes beyond understanding. It goes even beyond my understanding to what that would look like. So with that being said, I think, I think a good place to start and maybe something that will be relatable to all of us when we think about this power and what that means to us is like a superhero, so like a superpower. So years and years ago, I was a superhero, but I retired. Um... Gotham City's finest, Batman. Um, kidding, this was Halloween, Halloween a couple years back. Um, Batman is my favorite superhero. Um, I think he's the coolest. I think that his ability, his, his, his intelligence, obviously how he uses his resources, what he does to save the city, he's compelled by his city. Even like that new Gotham show, I'm all over that. Like, it's an awesome story. He loves... Gotham, and he wants to do all that he can to protect it. I guess he doesn't have a supernatural power itself, but like, you see what he does. He can fly from building to building. He, can, he has an amazing tool belt. He can take down anybody. Doesn't matter if it's Bane, the Joker, whoever it may be, he can take down anyone. This is my example. Batman himself. I love him. So as you think about this in these terms, think about your favorite superhero, someone that you either growing up or even now admire. And also think about what is the superhero's power? Is it Superman, the power of flight and strength? Is it the flash, uh, power of speed? Is it, again, whether it's Marvel, whether it's the other side, think about that power. And then think about what, what, what their reality is, which their reality is, if they have a superpower, they're going to use it. And they're going to use it for good, right? Christ in us through what Paul is saying, that he's given us a spirit of power. He's given us specific strengths in our hearts, in our own DNA, in who we are, that we are to use for Christ. Am I right? Some examples of that. Some people have the superpower of joy. I, I had a really good friend. His name is John Carlos. Just a really, one of my best friends. He, we roomed together um, you know, for four years in college. It doesn't matter what I did for him, like pranking or like, it didn't matter like what I would do. Like I kind of tested him a little bit, like I'd hide some, you know, I'd just become friends or whatever. But I, I guess it's because I was a, a nuisance sometimes. It doesn't matter what I did. He'd be like, oh man, Juan, all right, it's okay. <laughs> he, would at, he would never cross the border of like getting angry or upset. 
This is something that God gave him. He had joy at all times. He had joy no matter what the situation, no matter what the outcome. And guess what? That joy ended up being contagious. I mean, even now, whenever I speak to him, if I'm dealing with something or, you know, if I'm upset or whatever the case may be, if I text him or I call him and, and I talk to him, those feelings that I may have of, again, discouragement or whatever, they're gone. That's his superpower. Other people have the superpower of encouragement. I mean, goodness, we know what's happening, you know, in the world today, whether no matter what age you are, no matter what you do, you know, things are going in a direction that only Christ uh, can save and change, which we know that. Some people need encouragement day to day, a coworker. I mean, we see it all the time. I saw it. I'd see coworkers with their heads down. I'd see coworkers come in and out and just with, with a load on their shoulders that I could even tell that wasn't from Christ or even healthy. Encouragement would change their life. Again, that's the superpower that you've been given. And it's important for us to understand this point. Being timid prevents us from manifesting our superpower. It's huge. If we hesitate, if we don't allow Christ to act through us and we instead allow that spirit of hesitation and timidity in our hearts to take over, then we're not allowing Christ then at that point to, to be able to give what or manifest what God has put in our hearts. Because it's powerful. Each of you are wonderfully and uniquely made. The word speaks it so as I paraphrase it. Because of that, there's so much within you to give. And we need to understand that's for the purpose of Christ. And even more so, Paul says that in Philippians 4.13, a verse that I've you know, learned uh, for quite some time, and it said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? He's given us that power. So the second... Uh, Ver, or the second, I guess, trait that Paul is speaking of is love. So I want to read this because when I picture love, I picture a love so great that it fears nothing, that it has no timidity of anything. This is what John says in the book of 1 John chapter 4, 15 through 18. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. We have come to know and, and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because he is, so also are we to this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. This is very deep in regards to God himself. Very clear that God is love. And to be honest, if we are to have traits that, uh, that reflect Christ in the way that it should, it's love. I mean, he gives that as the two main commands. Love me with everything. And then love your neighbor. That's, that's the basis almost of his instruction to us. And the disciples had a love, a love that had no fear. I mean, Pastor Chris a few weeks ago was talking about, um, I believe it was Peter that then was, after uh, denying Christ, then he, you know, he asked to be crucified backwards because he had a love that had no fear. He didn't care about his own agenda. He didn't care what was to happen in his life. He wanted Christ to be more and him to be less. And in the process of us doing that, our love should increase. Our love should grow to the extent that it doesn't matter, uh, you know, if it's, again, I was using these as an example, a neighbor, 
or a friend or a family member. It doesn't matter their background, who they are, what they do. We are compelled to love them. And that love is perfected without fear. You know, the verse, uh, the end of verse 17 was very eye-opening to me. And it said this, so I'll read it again. Because as he, so also are we to this world. Because as he is, so are we also to this world. He gave himself. Am I willing to give myself? Not quite. Not quite. Should I pursue it? Absolutely. Because as he is, so are we to this world. Kids or youth, this is like a terrible example, but it's like the best example that I could give for this. So when I was in college, um, I met my wife. Um, one of the greatest things that has happened to me in my life was meeting her. Um, and I told her that I loved her way early. Um, she didn't care, uh, <laughs> which is fine because now I have two beautiful children, uh, thanks to her. Um, I loved her with everything. I really did. Uh, maybe it was my youth or experiencing that love for the first time. It really didn't have boundaries. It didn't have uh, a measurement. There was nothing really that that uh, controlled it because I just, I loved her. And I remember sitting in my living room. John Carlos is there, you know, obviously with his joy, bouncing around. Uh, so I'm there working on a project, you know, doing my thing. And then all of a sudden I see a text. And mind you, this is like before... Uh, semester's done, working on papers, working on finals, getting myself ready so that I can finish strong. I get a text from her, hey, I'm free. Do you want to watch a movie? I basically took my computer, just threw it back. <laughs> Let's go. So I went over. I went over. We hung out. We watched a movie, had dinner. And she's like, oh, this, is such, this was such a great evening. And in my mind, I'm like, I know, but I got to be here for the next seven hours. Like, I got to pull an all-nighter so that I can finish what I need to do. Listen, I didn't care about my grades. Again, terrible example please understand. Um, I didn't care about my grades. I didn't care about my semester. I didn't care about what the outcome would be. I cared about what I was feeling, that love, that, which I understood, which was Christ. That's why you know, I, I asked her to marry me, because Christ perfected that love to an extent that I didn't care about myself. I didn't care about my own happiness. I still don't. I don't care about um, what I want or what my needs are. I care about her in that way. Listen, church, that, that's what Christ calls us for the world. As he is, so are we to this world. And it's that type of love, perfected to an extent that we are less and he is more. And if he's more, then we're to love everyone as much as we can. You see, timidity or fear doesn't allow us to love fully. Very important to comprehend that if I you know, was afraid of uh, you know, my grades and all that stuff, well, then I probably would have just, you know, said, no, sorry, I can't. But no, I didn't care about my grades. I <laughs> could have cared less because my heart was telling me uh, what I needed to, to do at that moment and it was to love. And it had no boundaries. The last trait that Paul gives here is uh, discipline. And this is, <laughs> this is something that, uh, you know, is, is truly hard to grasp, but at the same time, it's something that we live. It's, it's January 28th today. We've all heard of New Year's uh, resolutions, correct? Oh my goodness, I didn't do any this year. Like, I just, <laughs> I said no. Truthfully, one of the hardest things in life, whether you are, uh, you know, pursuing, I don't know, whether, I know, what are the popular ones? Diets, reading more, exercising, 
whatever the case may be. The discipline of that is very tough. Discipline here that Paul's referring to is essentially self-control, the ability to be able to control oneself. It's one of the hardest things. You know, it's hard. It's so hard that um, even more myself, when I think about <laughs> things that I've tried to do, I just realize, oh, goodness, like, I'm falling short. And Paul says this. He gives a wonderful example that I kind of want to unravel as well. And it's in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. This is what he says. He says, do, not, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win, saying, give it all. Give it all your efforts. Only one's going to win. When runners prepare, they do it so that they can win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They, speaking of runners, then do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, speaking about us, an imperishable one. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim, so with a goal and a purpose. I box in such a way as not to be in the air. And verse 27, I'm going to jump right into it because it's so powerful. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Amazing example that Paul gives us. And I kind of want to, again, share a personal story. Not a lot of people know this, so I'll try and, and be quick. When I was 12, 13 years old, I was uh, pursuing, uh, which I've talked to people about, pursuing a professional career in baseball, but I was pretty unhealthy um, just because of things in my past. Uh, at 13 years old, probably th turning 13, I was about 370 pounds, somewhere around there. Um, I, I, again, I, I was starting to see issues within myself. I was starting to see um, problems with my health. Obviously, I didn't, you know, wasn't saying anything to my mom but, or my dad. I just, it was just what it was, honestly. I can't even explain it in, a, in any other way. But... My dad and my uncle took me to a baseball game. It's a winter league, Dominican baseball game, professional baseball players. They play in there in their off season. Um, it was exciting, it was awesome. So I go to this game, I sit there, I see people cheering and all this stuff and it just, it created an excitement in me that then a, a flame bursted in my heart to have a desire to play baseball professionally. That's kind of something that the Lord put in my heart. And at that point on, I, you know, I told my dad and you know, he kind of chuckled and I told my uncles and all that. But I decided at that point, even as a young man, that this is what I wanted to do. Now, in order for me to obtain that, self-control, discipline was going to be necessary. My coach was a huge mentor for me. You know, I love him to death. He then said, this is, what, this is what needs to happen. He gave me a list of things. He gave me a, you know, dietary restrictions, and he gave me a whole lot of things. And what he said is like, this here is, this here is what you need to do. And he made me sign a contract with him and said, if you do not accomplish this, then we're not going to reach our goal. Church, for like three months, it was in pain. You know, this process was painful. This process was almost hurtful in a sense just because I had to change my whole life. I had to change my perspective on things, the way that I sleep, obviously what I ate, what I did, my activities. It was, it was hard. So, but he helped me gain self-control. He pushed me. You know, I... I wake up in the morning, and then go at it until night. And in three months, I lost about 180 pounds. It wasn't, I won't give detail because it was crazy, but I was able to lose that, which is great. You know, and honestly, it led me to something else. But this allowed me to understand that 
Discipline, self-control, being able to control oneself, it's, it's not an easy task. Paul isn't telling this to Timothy. He highlights it and he makes it last. He's like, and you have to have discipline. Truly, one of the things that is the strongest. Uh, and verse 27, again, he, he, Paul understood that it would be a tough process, that it would be a process that would push us and push Timothy like we've never been pushed before. Again, I'm talking about my natural self, but here, you know, Paul is talking about a discipline uh, to control urges, to control uh, um, what, the, what the enemy might be telling, you know, speaking into us. He was looking for, you know, an opportunity to, to give and empower people uh, to the truth, which is to follow Christ and be Christ as much as we could. You see, Aristotle, uh, well, this is a quote that my coach, uh, you know, gave to me, and still, you know, when I think about it, it just, it's an encouragement. And this is what I said, this, I count him braver, who, he who overcomes his desires than him who conquers his enemies. For the hardest victory is, one, is over oneself. So very important to understand that the task of us being able to control our urges within us, that's fearful. It hurts. You know, it's a, it's a tough process. We could be timid and we could be hesitant of it. But, it. but it's very important because without this, without, without this, then this is what I see. This statement that courage provides us with self-control, which then leads to godliness, which is our goal. My goal back then was to become you know, a professional athlete. Our goal, godliness, to be like Christ so that we can change the world as a courageous community that we're called to be. So I, I, I want to then, you know, right now as I you know, kind of, I guess, wrap up with it all, I, I want to be open and personal with you guys. I just think it's, a, it's important as we've had some major changes uh, by me, you know, my family and um, all that. So, and it goes beyond, you know, just a few months back. It goes uh, basically for my entire life. You know, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of personal fears. I've had a lot of things that have um, come between, uh, well, like I was describing earlier, this 100,000-story wall to Christ's purpose in my life. There's been just a lot of things that have, have made me timid of that. It made me fearful. Uh, it made me hesitate uh, and not even believe in myself. And it's, you know, it's happened quite a bit. You see my background. Um, I'm a third. Uh, my name is Juan Martinez and, and the third. So my grandfather, he which his name is Juan as well. He, um, he grew up uh, as a, a sugarcane farmer, um, was very abusive to his family, the many you know, wives that he has that he didn't marry, the, the kids that he had, uh, that uh, you know, he wasn't there for them, my father being one of them. That, that kind of background and that story really kind of ringed in my mind and almost led me to believe that because I came from that, that that was part of me too and that potentially that could come out at some point. So it made me timid, it made me fearful of what that may be. My father, uh, Junior, you know, again, named Juan as well before me, he, he made very terrible decisions, uh, decided to uh, commit to a the life of selling drugs and, you know, a life that, again, praise the Lord that he came right in the nick of time for us, but he decided to take that route until he met Christ, but those that life that even he had affected me personally and my own confidence in myself to be able to be used by God in the way that, that Paul is describing, to be able to have power and to be able to have love. How can I have love when that's my background? How can I um, 
be Christ in a way that Christ is calling me to be when that's where I come from. You know, I, again, I grew up in, in the Dominican Republic as well, so the resources were limited, my education wasn't the greatest. All these things compiled to a weight on my shoulders and something in the back of my mind that said, mm, you're, you're never going to be good enough. That's, that was my reality. But the Lord did an amazing work. Praise the Lord for that. The Lord um, opened opportunities for myself as I was pursuing a career in baseball. He allowed me to, to travel here to the U.S., uh, go to uh, uh, North Central University in Minneapolis. And so I said I met my wife there. He, he was gracious to me. His mercy is forever, right? Every morning that we wake up, his mercy is new. And he showed that to me. And I have all, had all these things, great friends, friends that I consider family. Again, I'll mention Giancarlo's where he's jumping around in joy somewhere. I, I surround, he surrounded me with so many great things, but still in the back of my mind and in my shoulders, I was still carrying this weight of, uh, you know, I, nothing is, is, you know, I'm worthless, I guess, just to be able to, to be frank. So for the last, last six years of my life, uh, I had an understanding of what the Lord had called of me and what he had called me to be. I'll be honest with you, church, for years now, he's been placed, he's placed something in my heart that I know to be true. And fear and timidity has made me run away from that reality. Uh, I've been hesitant. I've declined, you know, different, different things and different opportunities to serve because of this reality in my mind or what my reality was that, you know, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. This isn't something that I should be doing. This isn't something that I'm worth doing. So I want to rewind three to three months ago specifically. So in conversations with Pastor Chris, you know, I've told, I, you know, just be able to connect with him. And over the last couple of years that my wife was here serving at the church and working here as a secretary, I just, you know, I connected with him and was honest with him. And I told Pastor Chris, hey, you know, I, I see myself some point in ministry, like, but that'll be one day. It's not now. No, it'll be maybe as I mature, or maybe as I grow in Christ, or maybe as I, but in my mind, I'm like, I just, I'm not, I'm not worthy. I'm not, this isn't, you know, for me, I don't think that God wants me to, to be doing this. Um, I just don't see that for myself. And this is what, this is what fear did. Fear then made me prioritize what the world prioritizes. With that said, I got an opportunity at my job, more money, more pay, wonderful, you know, for my family, all that stuff. So I said, this is, this is what I need to do. This is, you know, what God said that I need to do. And through a miracle um, that uh, happened within the church, in conversations with Pastor Chris, he said, listen, we're, we're able to, you know, if you, I, I just feel that for a time like this, uh, which I know you feel as well, which is true because the Lord had put it in my heart, you should be here. You should help minister. Let's, you know, reach the community because I know that that's something that's in your heart. And I have to be honest with you guys. I, I, I said no. I said no. Um, and I can't tell you the, the disappointment that the Lord is just weaving out of me because at that point it was almost like I was rejecting Christ uh, to an extent that it was painful. But praise the Lord because at that moment he started to do a work in my heart, the work of me pursuing what I know that I was called to do. So a week before I was supposed to leave, my house is half-packed boxes, bins, labels, everything is all set. The week before, the Lord just started to pierce my heart, pierce my heart. You know the truth, you know the reality. But my fear, again, it was almost like the 100-story wall kept growing. The fear wasn't, no matter how much I would try to climb, stories would continue to build. 
I'd get higher and higher. There's no way that I'd be able to reach my purpose, my end, because it was in front of me. That fear was doing that. And even though the conversations that I had with Erica, my wife, and even though, you know, thinking through all of this, I spoke to her and I, I said, you know what, honey, this is going to be great. Like, again, just like we planned, when I retire, when we retire, then we'll work at the church. We'll, we'll, we'll serve God with everything then, you know, at that point when it's convenient for us. That's what fear was doing. That's what timidity and hesitation was doing. A day then that I'll never forget in my life, November 26th of 2017. I was standing right here, came up, standing right here. And church, I'm not one to get emotional in public, really. Like, I, I don't pride myself on that, but I just, I'm not one to get emotional in public. But if you were here, you saw the Lord working. As, you know, tears just rolled down my eyes. Like, it was, I couldn't contain it. I really couldn't stop myself from this expression. And it was because in my heart, I knew that what I was doing wasn't right. I knew that what I was doing was not what God called me to do. But listen how strong fear is in our life. That still, I allowed myself to say goodbye. I said goodbye to the church. I said goodbye to Pastor Chris, gave him a huge hug, and just wrap up my things and left. So we're driving back home. Erica's looking at me. I'm looking at her. We're almost like both knowing what we're thinking, knowing what our reality is. Even though I talked to her and said, you know what? Yeah, it's something that we'll do down the road again, like I've mentioned. We're looking at each other but nothing. And we got home, put the kids down for a nap, and we began packing. And I don't know, I hope, I I wish I could put this into words, but the Spirit's work in my heart at that moment was completed is all that I can say. It was completed at that moment because I dropped what I had in my hands and I looked at her in the eye and said, babe, we can't do this. This isn't right. This is not what God called us to do. And I just went off. I started almost preaching. God has called us to not have fear. God has told us to, you know, to walk in, in faith in him. God has told And then after I finished, she said, I know. I know. I know. And at that moment, I took my phone, texted Pastor Chris, where are you at? The church? I'll meet you there. And I just grabbed him, went into his office. He was busy with something, so, and he was probably baffled. Maybe he thought I was going to help him, like, or ask him to help me move. Or something. <laughs> but I told him, I said, Pastor Chris, I can't. I can't. I can't do this. I was wrong. Forgive me. Forgive me for my lack of courage. Forgive me for my fear. Forgive me for being timid and my hesitation, knowing that this is what Christ has called for me, knowing that in a place like this, in a time like this, I should be here to do God's work with you, to reach souls, to be courageous, and to do what God's called me to do. Church, I really don't know what your fears are at this time. I don't know what timidity or hesitation uh, in your heart has done or compelled you to do or compelled you to not do. In my life, it, it, it controlled everything. Every decision that I made because of fast, past fears brought me to a, a life that I, I can't even comprehend. But this is what I want you guys to know that's reality. With the empowerment of the Lord, I recognized that this fear was of the enemy, not something that I created or should carry as a disciple of Jesus. So he removed that fear from my life. He took it away in an instant. I became fearless to his mission, to his call, to what I knew to be true in my life. Nothing else 
mattered. At that moment when I was talking to, to my wife, nothing else mattered. I didn't care about anything else except God's mission for my life. Through that, then the Lord empowered me. He gave me power right there and then. And I received that power, the same power that rose Christ from the grave, that same power to change lives. He gave me that power in my heart. That empowerment, that empowerment then began a, a cultivation of love. I started loving the people. Again, this isn't an instant, in a second. I started loving each and every one of you. I started loving the people outside of these doors, the people that I was leaving uh, at work. I just started to have a different love for them. Again, this is something that Christ does, that the Spirit does. That love then compelled me to, again, after I told Pastor Chris that I went in on Monday, and then I told myself, listen, it doesn't matter what happens in the future, but you, you have to do what you have to do. The Spirit gave me discipline and self-control to walk into my boss's office and say, I can't take this promotion. Actually, I have to give you a two-week notice as well because I'm starting here at the church. And to be 100% honest, that wasn't, it was almost like it wasn't me. I looked back at it, and it was almost a movie. Why? Because that was the spirit in me, the spirit in you, the power that you have, the power that rose Christ from the grave that is in you. That's what it manifests. You see, church, what's important to understand is that we have a mission. And in Matthew 28, we all know what it is. Or the verse says it clearly that we can go to and read, and it's 16 through 20, but I'm going to read from verse 18. And it says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That power, that discipline, that love, it's for this commission, church. No matter, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter your background, no matter what your family has said, no matter what the news says, it doesn't matter. This is our reality, that with what the Lord has given to us, our superpower, that what the Lord has cultivated within us, that we can give it to the world and whatever way that looks like, whether that's love, whether that's empowerment, whether that's joy, whether that's giving people peace in a world where there's no peace. Church, that's what we have. That's what we carry. That's our responsibility. Doesn't matter what your mind or what fear or timidity or hesitation has cultivated in your heart. You are a precious, a precious gem for the Lord to be molded into a diamond that God wants to use. Listen, that's the value that you carry. That's who you are. God's marvelous creation to be used for him, for his purposes. Someone like me, my, my father didn't graduate college or go to high school. My grandfather can't even read his name. But I stand here today and I testify to you that the Lord took away my fear. He took away all those negative things in my mind. He took away an identity that I thought to be true to myself. And I testify to you that in an instant that was taken away. And today, all I care about, all that matters to me, is proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming what God wants to do in this community and what he's called us to do, which is be courageous, to be courageous for the people of this world, to love the way that he loved, a love that is perfect, to be disciplined, to be disciplined enough to say, you know what? I'm not gonna go this route. I'm not gonna do this. I'm gonna control these urges that I have because Christ is more. And if I'm gonna be less, Christ needs to be more. I'm gonna end with this prayer. Uh, it's a prayer that 
Paul wrote to the church of Ephesians. It's in chapter three. And this is what he says. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which repatches all knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Listen, we're empowered, church. We're empowered. Rid ourselves of fear and timidity because we are to be a courageous community, a community that's willing to give it all just like Christ did. That's the power that dwells in you, in your brains, the power that rose Christ from the dead. Listen, church, he walked out of there in three days. He walked out. That same power, that same power, is within us to be used for his purposes, to be used for his glory. As special creations that we are. Listen, we're a light in this community. We're like a lighthouse in this community. And together with your encouragement, with my encouragement, and with the joy that Giancarlo's can provide me, we're gonna do it. We're gonna be a light, a joy, a peace to this community and to this nation, to this world. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are uh, in our lives and for everything that you've done for us. Uh, Christ, we're just so thankful. Uh, and I pray for, for this community, for this body, for this church, Lord, the privilege that you have given me to stand here and the privilege that you have given me to be a body with this body, Lord. And I just pray for us together that as we embark on this journey of being a courageous community, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and allow us to break down any wall in front of us that causes fear, that causes timidity, that causes hesitation to proclaim you as Christ, as Savior. I just pray over each and every one, Lord, that you would do your work just like it's evident that you've done your work in my heart. I just pray that over this church, Lord. And as we move forward, let us be the light that you've called us to be. Let us take a hold of the mission that you've given to us, Lord, to be less and to be you so that you may be glorified that we may make disciples and change hearts and change lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody.